everyone, this is Liren Baker, and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Hannah Sundarani, the creator of the blog Two Spoons, where she shares plant-based recipes for everyone from new cooks and veggie-shy eaters to vegan foodies. Born and raised in Toronto, Canada, Hannah spent four years in France, and her debut cookbook, The Two Spoons Cookbook, will be released in May 2022, where she shares over 100 French-inspired vegan dishes. I am so excited to welcome Hannah to the podcast. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Liren. How are you? I am so good. I'm so glad to meet you, and I can't wait for everyone to learn more about you. So, I, Oh, but I actually always start by asking, what's the first thing that you ever cooked and about how old were you? Okay. So I'm not sure if it's the first thing I cook, but the story that comes to mind is when I was about 10 years old and my cousin would come every year from England to visit us. And when my parents would go to bed, we would try baking. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) so we would like root through everything in the kitchen and just like try and bake things and we would go through all my mom's cookbooks and stuff and we were trying to cook a chocolate cake and but we love chocolate so we were like let's add more let's add more chocolate let's add more cocoa <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> and then we baked this cake and obviously the whole thing fell and it was like a sticky wet brownie kind of but like really chewy <laughs> And you had to kind of like bite into it with your molars, but we still ate it because we were like 10. <laughs> oh, I, I bet it still tasted good. It's probably just the texture that kind of got yeah. over Yeah, that's exactly what we thought. <laughs> <laughs> I love those kind of kid experiments. But you know what? To be honest, like I still sometimes have baking incidences like that too. And it's still yummy. I'll still eat it. <laughs> well, tell me about it. Like when I decided to transition over to a vegan diet, I had a lot of mishaps like that in the beginning. <laughs> yes. So which leads me to my next question. If you could just tell everyone a little bit more about yourself, what led you to plant-based eating and what life looked like before you started Two Spoons? Yeah, of course. So I, where should I start? Okay. I'll start with what led me to plant-based eating. So I'm going to rewind a little bit because it probably started about 15 years ago now. Um, I didn't transition over to a vegan diet right away, but essentially what happened is I was in university and I was having a lot of stomach problems and it was really affecting my everyday life and it was hard for me to go to school and it was hard for me to kind of have that typical university experience, like going out with friends and stuff, because I was always so nervous about my stomach and it was, it would just sort of erupt like Mm -hmm. (laughs) at any moment. And it was really unpredictable. So so stressful. It was very stressful Um, and I was pretty young at the time and it was really hard to deal with and I ended up going to see a few GI specialists who diagnosed me with IBS Um, and essentially they told me that I would have to take these pills and just kind of live with this for the rest of my life and that was really, really hard (laughs) for me to hear at such a young age. Um, So I ended up turning to food for medicine and I did an elimination diet where I gave up gluten and dairy and refined sugars, caffeine, and maybe a couple other things. Um, And it really changed my whole system. And I sort of realized that I could turn to food for medicine. And at the time, 
veganism wasn't really a thing yet. Even gluten-free wasn't a thing. Like I remember being like, what's a gluten? Right, right. (laughs) And so I had to do a lot of like my own research, a lot of digging to find out where I could buy these foods that worked really well for this new diet. And that's sort of where the world of plant-based eating opened up for me. Um, and so it really all began there. And once I kind of started learning about these foods and it made me feel so good, then the whole world of veganism opened up and the impacts that it has on factory farming and the environment. And then it all just sort of unfolded and felt like it was the right decision for me. I love how it was an evolution and a process. And I think that's something that happens to a lot of us. I know personally, like we as a family have dabbled into plant-based eating, veganism, and then maybe scaling back to, to figure out what makes sense for everybody. But it's always interesting to hear what everyone's process is like and how it leads them to a particular way of eating. And I'm glad that it made a huge difference for your health. Yeah, it really did. It just was a whole circle of, sorry, full circle picture and it was it was really the right decision for me. So when you started Two Spoons, were you already vegan at that point? Yes. Yeah, so I'll, now I'll talk a little bit about when I started Two Spoons. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so about probably five years ago now, I had this opportunity come up through my husband's work um, where we were able to move to France. And like I mentioned before with kind of the stomach issues that I was having. I wasn't entirely plant-based at the time, but I was pretty close. And I really wanted to make that transition, but I found it a little bit difficult here because of friends and family and going out. And I never wanted to be like that difficult person who would show up and then you'd be like, oh, great, like the vegans here. (laughs) So I kind of put it off. And then when we found out that we were moving to France, I was like, okay, well, here's an opportunity for me to kind of do what I've always really wanted to do and just kind of try it out. It's just me and my husband going. And so it won't be like a huge difference to how we're already eating. Um, And I can be a little bit selfish in that regard. So I decided when we moved to France that I was going to go plant-based, which is kind of funny because when you think about France, like it's totally rooted in the tradition of cheese and charcuterie and foie gras. And at that moment, I decided to go plant-based, <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of people would be very confused about. And I know that when we went to France and I would tell people that I was vegan at restaurants and stuff, they would just kind of look at me quizzically. But What is here- vegan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But here we are. I decided to do it anyway. And honestly, I was so glad that I did it because it was something that was so true to me and what I wanted to do. And I finally listened to that. Um, and so when I did move to France, and I decided to go on this plant-based diet. I had, I've always been into cooking and sharing my recipe with friends and family, but I really wanted to start documenting that. And so I took it as an opportunity when we moved abroad for me to kind of document that as well as being in France. It, it had such an impact on the way that I was learning how to cook. Um, it's very well known for its farmer's markets. There's literally a daily's farmer's market like every single day. It's not like you have to wait till, for a Saturday. <laughs> you can go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really got to explore that and explore eating all these different types of vegetables that I 
hadn't typically cooked with. And so um, it just seemed like a really, really good time for me to document that and share it online. So fun. So really quickly, what is the inspiration behind the name Two Spoons? Two Spoons. So that's a very good question. I get that a lot. And the whole idea is that it's recipes worth sharing. So I don't know if this has happened to you. I'm sure it has because it's definitely happened to me. But when you go to a restaurant and you're sitting with a friend or a partner and you guys have had like a really good meal and you're ordering dessert now um, and maybe you decide that you want to get the dessert, but your partner or your friend is like, you know what? I'm okay. I'm going to pass. And the waiter or server will, if they know it's a really good dessert, they always bring two spoons. Yes. <laughs> they know that the other person is going to be pining for a bite. So that's the whole idea with my vegan recipes is that they're worth sharing. They don't compromise on taste. Everyone is going to be pining for a bite. And so that's where the idea came from. Oh, I love it. That happened to me just the other day with some girlfriends, <laughs> except there yeah. were more than two of us, so they brought more than two spoons. <laughs> <Three or four. laughs> I love it. So being vegan in France, or I do remember the last time I was there, we were as a family eating more vegan. Mm -hmm. One of us was definitely very vegan. <laughs> um, but I remember telling myself, okay, we're going to be in France. I'm going to give myself a pass during our time there so that I could enjoy and eat everything and, and not think about it. But I will say that I feel like the food choices have gotten better, especially for people who are eating out. So what? how did you see the vegan food scene change during your time there? It definitely unfolded while I was there. And I think that that has to do a lot with kind of pop culture and the way that things are transitioning at this like day and age. When I first got to France, there wasn't really many options. And by the time I left, I had a vegan restaurant within steps, like a 50 meter. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, just down the street of my house. And I had actually built a lot of really great connections with some of the restaurant owners and little vegan markets and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool to kind of see that all unfold, especially in France. It was definitely a little bit slower, I would say, than Canada when I would come back to Canada and like visit my friends and family. There were lots of restaurants opening up in Toronto and stuff. So it was a little bit slower, but it definitely did unravel and it was really cool to see. So what part of France were you in? What city? Oh, so I was in the north of France in a city called Lille. So it's north of France, just by the Belgian border and about an hour train ride from Paris. Um, it was very quintessential French. Um, everyone there spoke French. You could find a few people who spoke English, but it was you kind of have to learn the language to be able to get by there. Did you already speak French before moving? I did not. So oh. I, I, did do, I did know a little bit of basic French from what we learned in school, but it really was a huge learning curve. Um, but it was nice because by the end of my time, I was able to speak fluently. So um, it was it was pretty cool to kind of be able to take that on and learn that and learn a new language. But yes, you had to speak French while you were there and you would have 
um, like you could expect a boulangerie at every single corner. <laughs> like, you know, here we always like have a Tim Hortons, like there it's always a boulangerie. You could always get like fresh baguette or croissant and people would be riding their bikes and they'd have a little croissant like tucked under their armpit, like <laughs> on their way home from work. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. I have to say the way of life in France is just so much – it just makes so much sense. Um, and there's that appreciation for food and the season. So what are some lessons from living in France that we can apply to our own cooking? Well, that's such a good question. And that actually really takes me back to the Two Spoons cookbook because I really wanted to share that message. Exactly what you said is something that I learned while I was there is that the French really do take food as an experience, no matter how big or small it is, even if it's like having a little piece of baguette with a little piece of cheese with your friends in a park, it's always an experience and it's always an opportunity to celebrate. And so I really wanted to transition that idea into my book. And one of the things that I am bringing to the book is these sort of like menu pairings that you can use to celebrate any occasion. For example, in the breakfast chapter, there's a menu pairing section where you can create recipes from the book, like it sort of lists the recipes and brings together kind of a full experience, whether you're having breakfast uh, with your besties, if it's breakfast for two, if it's fa family friendly, quick and easy. And so you're taking these recipes from the book and kind of bringing it all together into like a complete experience. And then the same goes for the dinner section. I have an apero section with um, a chapter all dedicated to vegan cheeses. And so the apero section will have like a vegan cheese and then it'll be paired with a dip or a spread and then some homemade crackers, fresh baguette. And so it's really giving you this full experience so that we can bring this into our culture because it is such a special part of France. And it was something that I think before moving to France, I kind of took those moments for granted. For example, in Canada, you'll go and you'll grab a coffee to go and you'll get the coffee and you'll leave. But in France, right. they'll take a coffee and they'll sit <laughs> and they'll have the coffee and they'll enjoy that moment. And so it's like taking those little moments, no matter how big and small. Um, and so I really, really wanted to bring that to the book. Yeah. I, I think some of the longest meals I've ever had have been in France. <laughs> oh, yeah. One time I remember going to one of my friend's houses who we had made friends there and she was French and she was like, come over for lunch. We're going to invite a few of our friends. And we were there for six hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole day. <laughs> that was a whole day. They were like, come at 11. We didn't leave till like five or six. It was like, it was a whole day thing. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. <laughs> so I love that the way you've organized the book makes it very user friendly and, and then also just takes a lot of the guesswork out because exactly. You know, there are a lot of books that they're not there isn't necessarily like a menu plan. You know, mm -hmm. you just have to kind of piece together what you want. So I like that you can just be like here, yeah. follow this and it'll feel like you're in France. <laughs> exactly. And that's what they do at a lot of the restaurants too. Like you'll go to a restaurant and there won't be a ton of menu options, but they'll have this list of like, okay, well, we start with these two options and then you can move on to these two options. And then we end with a dessert of these two options. And it's, it's really, I always really like that because it 
it allows them to share the experience that they've created with you. Um, and so I really wanted to do that with the book. I've got more than 100 French recipes. And of course, you can create any type of combination that you want. But I really wanted to provide a few to kind of give you that experience and to kind of set you up so that you can kind of create your own moving forward. Very, very cool. So France has become a melting pot of cultures yeah. and flavors. And are there dishes in the book that reflect this? Yes, definitely. I really wanted to take my experience from France, not just like traditional French, but the experience that I had. And it's exactly like you said, is very multicultural, especially the area that I was living in in Lille was quite multicultural. And so I wanted to tie in all the nearby cultures. So you'll find Moroccan food there. Lebanese was really popular. There's a lot of different places that I pulled in that have a French spin to it, or maybe they are, they have French history like Mor Morocco. And so I wanted to pull in those pieces of other kind of cuisine that's really popular there and bring that in because that's exactly how I ate while I was there. And then other things too, like a lot of trendy new restaurants, plant-based restaurants that were coming out in this, in the French scene that I was speaking to before, um, I made a lot of friends with some of the new trendy restaurants and a lot of like young people kind of coming in and creating spins on things like a vegan mousse au chocolat. And so I really wanted to make a recipe for the book that kind of tributed some of the work that's been being done in France to kind of take traditional French recipes, but then put a spin on them to make them vegan. Yeah, I saw that you made your croissants vegan, yes, yes. which must have been a project, I have to say. Oh my gosh, yeah, that was so much fun, but definitely a project. I think I worked, I recipe developed that recipe probably in 10, like I probably tried 10 times oh, wow. that recipe until I got it perfect. But I am so incredibly proud of those <laughs> croissants. They're absolutely amazing. And I have made them for my non-vegan friends and they cannot believe how good they are. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to have to try that because I think that to me is like one of the, probably the hardest things to probably recreate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, is like, I think a lot of people think that when you're taking on a plant-based diet that you have to give up a lot. And I want to teach that you really don't, there are no compromises on taste. You can have all the things that you love mm -hmm. and make it vegan. And so having the croissants, I've got a really good brioche, a buttery brioche recipe, which I actually made again last week. It, I made it twice. <laughs> so good. Um, and I really wanted to create these recipes and my vegan cheeses, for example, to show that you can still enjoy the things that you love. And with a few twists, you can make it vegan. Yeah. So what's it like to shop for plant-based ingredients these days? Like is like here, the, you know, you can find like a whole aisle. What's it like, like when you pop into like Monoprix or, you know? Yeah. So I mean, Monoprix Again, what I was saying, things really changed while I was there. So in the beginning, it was a little bit difficult. But then by the end, I was finding things like coconut yogurt at Monoprix. Mm -hmm. um, but they had some really nice organic um, magazine, like Petit Magazine, which is like a little like shop or store. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, Bio Say Bomb was a really popular one. Uh, Bio Co-op was another one. Um, and I would always be able to find things like vegan butters, uh, coconut yogurts, even like things not necessarily vegan, but a little bit more trendy like kombuchas and stuff like that there. Yeah. And again, because I was living in a city, everything was in walking distance. So I had a Bio Say Bomb like five minutes walk from me. And so I would usually, well, I would start at the markets and if I couldn't find what I needed there, then I would go into something like a monoprix. Um, and then I would always end at a BSA ball um, if I couldn't find what I needed. So it actually ended up not being too much of a difficult process for me to find everything. Okay. And then now that you're back in Canada, I'm imagining you missed some things, but what is what has that transition back home been like? Honestly, so in the beginning, it was a little bit tough. It's funny because when I first moved to France, it was a big transition. And um, I can talk about how wonderful and glorious France was, and it absolutely was, but I would be, it would be disheartening for me to say that it wasn't a struggle. Like I really missed my friends and family, and you're totally rerooted in a new culture. And so that's really hard. And when you don't speak the language, it did take a little bit of an adjustment. And coming back after four years again was an <laughs> adjustment. So it's funny like how that happens. But definitely I did miss a lot of things from France. But what I would say that I miss most wasn't necessarily things that you would expect like the food because I do a lot of the cooking and I, I do have access to a lot of wonderful things here. Like I am part of a farm share. And so I get every Thursday throughout the summer, all into the winter, into December, I get local organic vegetables. So I was able to pull in those things, but it really was the way of life. That was a really difficult thing for me to adjust back to, like I was saying, sitting down and taking those moments to really enjoy and sit together. And that community that I think is a little bit lost here, the community around food, it's just so embraced there. And things like the farmer's markets, they would have that on a Sunday and people would go to the farmer's market and then there would be chairs all around and they would sit and they would eat bread, they would break bread and they would open a bottle of wine and they would and enjoy it. And I miss those things a lot. Um, I've tried to bring that back again, of course, through my book. And then also in things like my daily life, like my husband and I, every morning now, um, before we start the day, we sit down and we have our coffee and tea together. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> like going and getting on with our day, we sit down and we take those 10 minutes and we just sit and enjoy it. So we really try to bring that back um, because it was something that I just, I valued so much about their culture and it was, it was a really lovely thing and I, I don't want to lose that. Um, but yeah, I would say it's those things that I miss the most. I feel like your cookbook has become sort of the ultimate scrapbook for your memories of that time there. Definitely. I really wanted to tribute my time in France and I'm, I'm so proud of this book because I really think that it does walk you through what it was like me living there. And there's so many recipes in the book that speak to my personal experience living there. And, and I, in the intros, I'll tell you a little bit about the story. For example, there's a recipe, which is a little bit more modern for something called a freak shake. And that was inspired by my friend Wally, who opened up his own restaurant where he would serve these like really cool 
they call them freak shakes and they're these like cool smoothies and they put these like donuts or brownies on top in a big straw and it was really <laughs> trendy and hip um and a lot of Lilouad people would like to go there and sit and take a drink there um and I became friends with him and so I created a recipe to tribute him <laughs> while oh. we were there and things like my faux gras. So I saw that. <laughs> that recipe was inspired by someone who owned a petit magasin, so a little store there that was entirely vegan. Uh, it was called Vegetale Vu, and he had an amazing faux gras. And I would go there in the winter months around Christmas and get his faux gras, and we would enjoy it over Christmas. And it had all those like delicious, like warm flavors. And so that tributes him. And there's a lot of stories. There's a few recipes that are attributed to my wedding because we got married in France. So I created a lemon tart, which was served at my wedding and a risotto. Um, and it just, when I look at these recipes, it just really takes me back to those moments. And it's, it's just, it gives me all the warm and fuzzies. <laughs> oh, I love it. So have you been back since your book has been released? So unfortunately, I have not been back because of COVID. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Which is really hard because we have a lot of friends there and we really wanted to go visit them. Um, and I miss it a lot. Um, but unfortunately, because of COVID, um, it's been a little bit difficult for us to go. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping now things are looking a little bit better. So maybe we could go closer to the end of the year this year. Um, I also just recently had a baby. Yes, I saw <laughs> yes. such a cutie. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, so we're kind of like working out how that would look going with uh, a less than one year old, but I hear that it's good to travel with them when they're under one. So yeah. <laughs> we might have no. to squeeze in a trip before he turns one. <laughs> squeeze in all the trips you possibly can. <laughs> While he can sit on your lap. Okay. okay. <laughs> or even, let me just rephrase that. While they're not in like high school. Because seriously, <laughs> like it's so hard to pull them out of school. Yeah. As they get older. And it's, yeah. like, my mom all the time. She's yeah. like, take advantage of it now because once they're in school, it's so hard. It is. It <laughs> yeah. is. So, yeah, you're a new mom. What are your tips for new moms who maybe just want to eat more plants? Oh, so. My tip is to be a little bit organized, which I know is hard when you're a mom. <laughs> but one of the things that I like to do that's really, really easy is I will make a breakfast the night before that's super simple, like an overnight oats or a chia pudding. By the way, I have recipes for those in my cookbook. <laughs> and I'll create it the night before so that when I wake up in the morning, I don't even have to worry about breakfast. It's done. And it's so easy. Literally, before you go to bed, you just take some chia seeds, you put in some almond milk, add a little bit of maple syrup to sweeten some cinnamon, and then get yourself some fresh fruits, whatever's in season. It like right now, pear and apple is really good. And you can even steam like, so right now, Oliver, my son is starting to eat. So I've been steaming pears, but I make extra for me. <laughs> I put them in my chia pudding and it's so good. So um, just having these like little snacks and breakfast kind of pre-made, I have found has been a total godsend as a new mom. So I would highly recommend easy recipes that you can make the night before for breakfast and snack time. <laughs> I love that because then it sets the tone for your day yeah. and it takes care of you. Yeah, you take care of you. And the worst is when you're hungry, like being a mom and it's so busy and then you're hungry on top of it. And I know like 
taking like a piece of bread as sustenance, like it's, it's just not as good as like something where like you can eat it and you feel like you're fully nourished and it's really hard when you're a new mom to find time for that. So I always find doing that the night before is such a savior. Good idea. Okay. So now that your son's starting to eat a little bit, what's his current favorite? So I'm so surprised about this, but his favorite right now is zucchini and squash. Oh, yay. Good job. (laughs) So I like, I literally just discovered this two days ago. So I'll give you a little bit of history and I won't go into too much detail because I know it's (laughs) on time, but I was so excited to start Oliver on food because I'm such a foodie. (laughs) And so I could not wait to get to six months. And I actually called my doctor a little bit before that. And I was like, he's totally ready. He's showing me all the cues. And my doctor gave me the go ahead that I could start him. So I started doing baby led weaning and I sat down with some banana for his first meal. Actually, no, it was, um, it was a piece of mango. So Mm -hmm. I gave him a mango pit, uh, for him to suck on. Oh yeah. He hated it. Oh, no. <laughs> he did not like it at all. And then I tried banana, did not like it. And we kept trying all this stuff and he didn't want to have anything to do with food. And I was so surprised and like disappointed because everything I see on Instagram are like these babies like loving to eat. And I was so sure Oliver would love to eat, but no, he didn't want anything to do with food. <laughs> Oh, you're like, is this my child? <laughs> I was like, whose kid are you? So we ended up taking a break for like one or two weeks. And then we reintroduced. I gave him a bit of sweet potato still was like, like t- trying it a little bit more, but um, not really loving it. And then a couple days ago, I had some squash and zucchini that I had cut up and cooked. Did not think that he would take it, but he loved it. And I think it's because it's so like wet and watery that he can just kind of suck on it. And he likes that like watery taste. So if anyone is struggling to feed their kids, maybe try squash (laughs) and zucchini and see if that works. But I don't know. It seemed to work for us. (laughs) I think that maybe also just their palates aren't quite as refined as ours yet. So maybe the mango is just quite a shock for them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like too sweet or like too mm. like too sour. I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, he just like he's it's definitely been a lot different than I had thought it was gonna be. And I was saying to Mitch, I was like, oh my gosh, God would gift us with a picky eater. <laughs> as like such a foodie and like someone who really wants to make all these like kid friendly recipes I think they're putting me to the test (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. and they do do that (laughs) yeah I honestly like I'm so excited as he gets older for me to make a lot of kid friendly recipes and you I will be able to guarantee that they are kid approved if Oliver will eat them (laughs) oh I love it yeah he's gonna be the luckiest kid ever (laughs) that's sweet So I also have to ask you very quickly. So you did all the recipe development and the photography for your book, which is beautiful. But you also just did a kitchen renovation. So I I am curious, did you do your recipe development and testing before, during, or after the reno? I did it prior, which would have been very convenient to have a well laid out kitchen for my recipe developing. But honestly, I actually think that the kitchen that we had prior probably helped in creating these perfect recipes because I kind of had to be able to create things with ovens that like weren't as like 
new and like things that weren't always on convection or um, uh, the difference between a gas cooktop and an electric. And so it was even though like, I mean, I love my kitchen now and it's totally designed to exactly how I want it to be. It probably was a good thing that I developed my recipes prior because it allowed me to understand how to cook in all types of kitchens. Right. That makes complete sense. Yeah. I also have to say that when, because I think we probably wrote our books around the same time. Like I think that for me, going through that experience in the kitchen, well, not that I'm not renovating right now, but it's definitely like pinpointed in my head. Like, oh, if I were to renovate, this is what I would want to change because I clearly understand the function, this function of the kitchen that I have after cooking so much. Oh yeah. Like I knew that I wanted a different cooktop, like, cause we had electric and I was like, I, I would love to have gas or induction because you have so much more control over the heat. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think that like having things that aren't so perfect all the time actually does make you a better cook in the end because you're able to like roll with the punches and be able to cook in like all types of settings. Yeah. That's yeah. very, very true. <laughs> so he's looking what? on the right side, right? <laughs> oh no, you have to. That's life, right? Yeah. <laughs> um also I also just have to tell you your vegan ceviche that's on your blog looks amazing. It's, it's really bright and refreshing too. Like it yeah. as you come into spring, highly, highly recommend that recipe. Yeah, I think everyone who's listening should go check it out. It's beautiful, number one, but definitely I was just thinking this is perfect for spring and definitely yeah. what I would want to eat. Yeah, for so, anyone who's listening, it's like a vegan ceviche made with pom- hearts of palm. Mm-hmm. And then we've put some grapefruit and orange in it. So it's really citrusy. It's so, so good. And then there's some avocado for creaminess and cilantro, which gives a really bright and refreshing flavor. So yeah, go check it out. Yeah. Okay. What are your tips for someone who's considering going vegan? So definitely don't be intimidated. I think when people think of a vegan diet, they think, as I said before, that it's super intimidating that they're going to have to give up all of the things that they really love. And that is so not the case. It's easier now than ever to adopt a plant-based diet. And there's so many resources available and I think that with a few tips and tricks and testing out in the kitchen and just doing a few recipes, like pick two or three of your favorite recipes. For example, you can write in, oh, here's a good example. In my cookbook, I have a recipe for mushroom bourguignon um, instead of a beef bourguignon. So you could go into Google or get my book (laughs) and go into Google and type a vegan bourguignon and try making it. And I think that you'll realize that you don't, there isn't really that much difference. There's just a few tweaks here and there that you have to do. For example, using mushrooms instead of beef, but all of the flavor profile is still the same. It's all going to be ingredients that you know, and that you love. And I think people would be really surprised actually how easy it is to adopt a plant-based diet these days. Yeah. I love that example. I was actually eyeballing that recipe. I'm like, that looks so good. And it's definitely very French. Yes. <laughs> made my face, which I love. Well, before I let you go, I have some quick closing questions, if you don't mind. What's something that you cook when you're too tired to cook and you need an emergency go-to meal? Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, it, I guess it depends on the time of year. I love to do 
a Buddha bowl where I just like roast up whatever vegetables that I have in my kitchen and then I'll put on some rice and I'll make like a quick like tahini dressing um, and then I just kind of throw it all together and it always tastes so fresh, so comforting. It's super filling and it's really good leftovers. Mm -hmm. um, you can reheat it the next day and bring it into work. So that's definitely one of my favorites to make. Like I said, my chia pudding, um, I love doing that for breakfast or snack time. Um, my cookies I've got, I actually included, I've got a really popular cookie recipe on the blog and I adapted it a little bit to enhance it even more, uh, for my cookbook. And it's so popular and I love making those cookies because they're such a good snack and they're really healthy. They're gluten-free. They've got, um, oats, almond flour and coconut flour in them with chocolate chips. Yeah. So I feel really good about eating them and they also freeze really well. So um, just having those things on hand. Another one also in my book is my raspberry muffins. They are so good and they're made with whole wheat flour. Um, so they're really, really healthy and they're just so sweet and delicious. And so I love making those too. And then you've got like 12 of them. So you can kind of like eat them throughout the week. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So like I love doing, and like those recipes really only take like 20 minutes from beginning to end to make. And then you got them for a few days to enjoy. So I love making those. I love it. So then you, you don't have to cook for the next couple of days. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm like such, I'm so known for that. Like I am not the person who will like cut a squash in half and then put the rest back in the fridge. I'm like, cook it all now. Like let's, yeah. let's get her done. And then I can enjoy it just as leftovers through the week. Yeah. That's smart cooking. Yeah. What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Uh, from my book or in general? In general, in life. Um, I mean, right now it would definitely be my brioche, <laughs> my buttery brioche. I am so obsessed with that recipe. As I said, I made it twice last week and I just love how like fluffy and pillowy it is. Like you literally rip it open and it's like clouds parting. Yeah. <laughs> so lovely and delicious. And everyone I serve it to loves it like non-vegans as well. Um, so I've been making that a lot and sharing it with my friends and family. And that's that sort. And I just find baking so therapeutic as well. Yeah. So um, I've really been in, and in the winter months, there's like not really much to do. <laughs> um, so I've been loving to do that in my spare time. Oh, I love it. Are you messy or neat in the kitchen? Oh, so I'm, well, I think I mean, my husband thinks I'm messy. <laughs> <laughs> But I would definitely say that I look – probably if you saw my kitchen, you would think that it was neat. But if you open any of the pantry door drawers, it is an <laughs> utter chaos. Like my spice drawer is like just an impossible – amalgamation <laughs> of so many spices and they're like not labeled they're like all disorganized only I would know how to navigate through it <laughs> I totally identify with this because you know sometimes I'll see people with like the insta-worthy spice cabinets and everything matches and everything is labeled and I'm like it looks so nice but how do you know what I mean <laughs> no I don't know like I if, if there's anyone like who does this for a living please give me a call <laughs> I think they do exist. <laughs> yeah, they do exist. So if you're listening, please send me a DM on DM on Instagram. I need yeah. you. <laughs> What's a good kitchen tip? I would say that my best tip in the kitchen is to have two 
really good knives. One is a butcher's knife and one is a paring knife. Um, and you really don't need anything more than that. I think a lot of times people think that they need like the whole knife rack with all these different options for all of these different reasons. And I only use those two. <laughs> yeah. So if you can get yourself a really good butcher's knife and a paring knife, you'll be able to create anything with those two. I couldn't agree more. Um, every week I try to share five little things, something that made me smile. Is there anything that made you smile this week? Oh, well, definitely my son. <laughs> yeah, he's just like the joy of my life. He makes me smile so much and he's turning six months. So he is just getting so fun now. Um, him enjoying summer squash definitely made, <laughs> made me smile. <laughs> I was so happy to see him enjoying food. Um, it just really, really brings so much joy when I see people enjoying food. Um, so I would say that brought me a lot of joy this week. Aww. Also, we had 65th yesterday. So we went out and celebrated that, and that was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. So many good things. Yeah. First of all, six months is the best age. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Perfect size, perfect for cuddling. <laughs> yeah, he's getting so cuddly too. It's so Aww, fun. <laughs> so cute. Well, Hannah, I loved chatting with you. Where can everyone find you and your new book? So you can find me at twospoons.ca. My blog is twospoons.ca. And on Instagram, I'm twospoons.ca. And you can get the Two Spoons cookbook anywhere that they sell books um, in Canada and the U.S. In Canada, they're sold at Chapters Indigo. Uh, you can get it on amazon.ca. You can get it on amazon.com. Barnes and Noble, and also any of the independent bookstores. Uh, you can call in and order it. It's available for pre-order right now, and the book comes out May 31st. Awesome. Good luck with the launch. I'm so excited. I can't wait to cook from it. Oh, thank you so much, Lyra. And it's so nice to talk to you. And I really, really hope that you enjoy the book as much as I did creating it. Oh, I know I will. I'll feel like I'm in France. <laughs> I hope so. That's the whole goal. Yeah. <laughs> I know I can't wait to cook from Hannah's book and feel la vie en France here at home. Thank you for joining us and thank you to Hannah for sharing a peek into her new cookbook with us. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate it, review it, and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Happy cooking.